On episode 35 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Ray Aldretti. And then we would always get down to, well, show me the data. And that's when I learned about how important it was to collect data, even in nonprofit organizations, because you always have to be able to demonstrate value. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Randy Lane. Today, we're talking with Ray Aldretti. He's CEO and founder of Top Tier Performance, a business consulting firm based in Southern California. Ray is also a 360 Solutions strategic partner. He has over 20 years experience helping companies operate at their best. He's also worked at some of the best colleges in the country, including Yale. We talk about identifying bad leaders and fixing toxic working environments. And now, our talk with Ray. Randy and I are excited again today because we have Ray in the office uh, in our studio here. And uh, Ray spent a couple of days with us here in Texas going through uh, some different training and schools and different stuff we have going on. So we coerced him into, uh, is coerced <laughs> all right? We, we, we tricked him, maybe. Yes. Uh, drug him into the studio and asked him if he would sit down and do an interview with us. So Ray, thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes to do this. Why don't we start with you telling us about your background? I've had a really fun career, actually. I've worked in universities and research centers most of my life. As an administrator, primarily, I started out as a biomedical and scientific photographer. And I was working at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City in the pathology department. And my boss quit, and suddenly I got bumped up because there's nobody else in the department. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I got to hire somebody. And then from there, I uh, kind of went on and stayed in education. I went to the University of Texas Health Sciences Center. And I worked there as a coordinator of photographic services. And then I moved to New York City, worked for Rockefeller University, and I was the senior director of media services to scientists and, and administration there, which was a great job because I got to work with a lot of really smart people from all over the world. Well, hold on. I think you're pretty smart for oh, <laughs> telling me the stuff that you've done. <laughs> My goodness. I, I, I couldn't do what you did. And then after that, I uh, interspersed with that. And while I was doing that, I was also doing some consulting with a, with an independent consulting firm called Red Team Advisors. And we would go in, and he would hire me. The, the owner would uh, hire me to come in and do you know quick hits with him. Mm-hmm. And usually that was uh, in process improvement kind of work. And then eventually I wound up at Yale University, and I was hired in the IT department, uh, working as an IT manager, actually, for a... Uh, a media department also. And we were doing incredibly interesting work because we were working for the libraries because at this point in time, all of these beautiful old books and manuscripts from 10,000 years ago, we we're scanning them in because then they can be accessed by researchers online from all over the world. And also they won't deteriorate because people aren't taking them off the shelves and running their greasy little fingers through them. And mm-hmm. so uh, it's a great way for, it was just, a, it was just, you got to see so many interesting things uh, that was, that I would have never gotten to see a, close and personal without having done that what's it what was it like working at yale i mean that's so iconic oh it's it's an adventure (laughs) you know what's so cool about it actually is the uh i mean there's just so much tradition there and and some of it's good some of it's bad it's 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 a very uh liberal environment Mm -hmm. uh and from a guy from texas it may have not been the (laughs) most comfortable place you know we had this little underground where we talk about real stuff (laughs) and then um the other the other thing that i i was just struck by was how how incredibly smart 
and engage the students were. Mm. And I would have student workers come in and, and work on some projects for me. And, 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 and a lot of the departments, they would go in and basically they'd go in and study for $15 an hour. But I said, look, here's a deal. If you want to work here, I'll, you know, I'd be happy to have you with us. But I'm going to have projects for you to work on. And some of these kids, you know, they, they were architectural majors or, or political science. And I would say, I, I'm trying to put together this, this data. And this, this is the information I was. I'm going to build some matrix metrics on, on some projects we're working on. And have you ever used Excel? No. I say, well, okay, well, here it is. And I would say, this is what I want to do. And they would almost always come back with more than I needed. Hmm. Because hmm. they were smart enough to learn it, which was good for them in the long run. Yeah. And also, they... Uh, they delivered me tools that I could use for years. Yeah. And eventually I forgot they did it. I thought I didn't. <laughs> That's a good leader. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Not always say, this student did this. No, no problem. So, uh, and then I, it was time for me to retire. I wanted my, as it happened in, in real life, um, my wife had gotten a job in California and I was living in New Haven, Connecticut. So after a couple of years, I got really old. I wanted to go into consulting work. And so all I really needed was a telephone and an airport and, uh, and a computer. And mm-hmm. so we had moved out there together because I had retired. No, I hadn't retired, but I, I, I was doing consulting at the time. So we moved out there. And then I went to consult at Yale, and then they hired me. And so then I stayed there. She was here. And then I had to make a decision. And my decision was, I want to be with my wife. And yep. so I moved back to California. And uh, that's I'd been talking to Chip for some time because I was thinking about you know, having my own business for, for a good while. And he's always been incredibly gracious and generous, and he's a great teacher. When it was time, I, I came back. We started talking again, and now I'm back involved, and I'm, I've got a, a much clearer target of, of the direction I want to go in. Uh, we were talking about what, what am I passionate about, and I'm passionate about bad leaders. But <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is I think in my long career I've seen so much – damage that they've caused to a lot of good people and good organizations and things that could have been better. And you can always say, well, this this employee screwed up. But if you start getting into it, you'll always find, at least I've been lucky enough to find, it's leaders not laying down proper processes and procedures. And not only that, but the things that go along with that, encouragement, training, uh, helping employees when they, ne- they need to, to uh, to do something else. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what an, a leader will do, they won't make the kinds of decisions they need to make where you'll have a group of seven people and two of them will be toxic. But for some reason, they'll stay there for five, 10, 15, and 20 years making it miserable for the other people working there. And what I mean by that, the measure of that for me was when people would wake up and dread going to work. Mm, yeah. That's a terrible way to spend your life. And so that, that's what I kind of has, has been kind of pushing me forward for some time now. There's not necessarily a lot a person can do, but one, one area that I think would be most important when uh, we have so many tools in 360, but the one I'm kind of looking at now that I like is, is assessments. Because mm-hmm. if you can convince and make clear to, to, to leaders who are making decisions that by hiring right, they're going to have a much better work environment, their employees will be happier, they'll make more money. That's kind of the bottom line. The benefit, I think, as altruistic as we all may be in business, it's well, how's our how's our profit looking this yeah, year? Absolutely. So, when we started talking here, we were talking. You had a story kind of about a bad leader that that stuck out in your mind. Can you kind of tell us that story again? Uh, I was doing some consulting with a uh, manufacturing company. It was a, a very strong leader, kind of a, a street smart entrepreneur, tough guy. 
And he had built quite a company. And so one day I was with him because I'd come in because he said, I want to retire. I want my kids to take over and this kind of stuff. And I said, okay, sure, we'll, we'll work with you on that. And at any rate, so we started going around and he's showing me the company and, and we're standing at his office windows and we're looking out at one of his production lines. And he says, look at those people. Look how nervous they are. What are they hiding? And, you know, he's kind of being really negative about them. And, and he and I had had several conversations before about training and about encouraging employees, about coaching them. And he said, and all you want to do is all this Nandy Pamity stuff. And I said, <laughs> well, I said, well, it's, it's not really – some of it's Nandy Pamity, maybe, in your opinion. But the reason you're doing it is not because you're a nice guy. <laughs> you may not even be a good person. But the reason you want to do these kinds of things and develop your employees because it's going to make you money. Because they're going to be better employees. They're going to come to work. You don't have to worry about the kinds of things you worry about them doing now. So he kind of looked at me and nodded and <laughs> we went out and had a beer over that. <laughs> it's one of those things like, you know, he, he needs to be nice in order to make more money so he can look at it that way because maybe that's the paradigm through which he looks at it. Hmm. But all of his employees look at it like I'm, I'm not valued by this guy who just thinks I'm nothing. That's exactly it, Randy. And and I think what I was trying to get this person to understand is because of his tough guy mentality, when you're helping people in a workspace, it's not a, it's not a us against them. The more you help them be better, the more you're going to benefit as the owner of the company. And so that's kind of what I focused on most of my time there. Sure. Well, one of the questions we ask people that come in is to give us examples of great leadership. What, in your mind, Ray, exemplifies someone who is a great leader, and maybe you have a story or an example or someone you've worked for in your career that has been a, a great leader, and then contrast that with people that you've seen that are poor leaders, or maybe you've worked for a poor leader. Of course, you can take the names you know, out of the uh, examples <laughs> yeah. to protect well, the guilty definitely. or the innocent. But is, is there any common denominators that you see with great leaders, poor leaders? I think good leaders, at least in my experience, have been good teachers. Mm -hmm. And they've asked a lot of questions. And they've always are willing to help you in any way they can. I, I remember when I first got into the communications business, I had a boss. I would go in and ask him for something. And he would go through this whole process about why you need it and how much is it going to cost. And, and he would get so deep into the questioning, this, that, or the other thing. And then we would always get down to, well, show me the data. And that's when I learned about how important it was to collect data, even in nonprofit organizations, because you always have to be able to demonstrate value. And I think I learned the most from him. I, I would walk out of his office and my head would be throbbing. It would just mm -hmm. be, uh, it was a great experience. And he was a really a good person. And we, we became great friends later. Bad leader. Well, I had another good leader and he was, a, he was a, a young guy. And this happened later in my career, but I really liked what he did because he was very straightforward. As far as communications were concerned, he'd say stuff like, if I say how things are going, this would be to our staff meeting, don't tell me how busy you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, don't take this paragraph to, to get, send a, a two-sentence email. He sent us, and I wish I had that, that, that email in front of me, about how to communicate with me. He was telling us, if you want to be an effective communicator with me, these are the things you look at. And that one about don't tell me how busy you are was one of them, about keeping them short. Um, if you don't need to send it, don't. It was a much richer. I mean, I was I was shocked by it because I said I'd never seen anybody be this clear about how they wanted us to communicate with them. Hmm. And so we all started kind of taking that up with our, our our reports and and saying, you know, how and what we did is, well, how do you like to be communicated with? Because I think that's an important part of communications. And some hmm. people are really want to 
write emails, some people phone calls, some people text, particularly now everybody likes to text. But, you know, so those are the kinds of things I learned from the good leaders. Bad leaders, they're this individual who, who, who's actually running a lab right now who I know about, and he shows no respect to his employees. He doesn't listen to them. He keeps around. He hires poorly. And it's interesting because you can't talk to him. The people who work for him who, who tell me about it say, no. I say, well, this, 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 and this. You know, try this. We can't do that. He'll fire us. He'll make our life so miserable that, you know, we won't be able to stay here. So he's got everybody there, and they don't leave because they're getting paid well. So hmm. that, that's an example of a poor leader. I think of it like any of those medieval movies where a king is leading the charge of all the people into battle. And you have, you know, the one who's back in his castle behind his gates and, uh, you know, being protected. And then you have the one that's on the front lines who's giving the, you know, the battle mm-hmm. speech and going out with them. And which one inspires more confidence in the troops, the the king that's with them going into battle or the one who's kind of hanging back and saying, no, you guys do the dirty work. I'm going to stay behind. Yeah. You know? yeah, exactly. And and the one who will be taking all the credit for it, talking on the phone, saying, well, my, you know, I did this. I did this. I created this. Right. Not going back to my spreadsheet example, but <laughs> sure. this is another guy. <laughs> well, you you just used the example of a poor leader that someone who hires the wrong people. And you mentioned earlier about assessment tools. So how would you implement a better hiring practice if you were to coach that poor leader that you were talking about? How would you help him hire better people than what he's currently hiring? Obviously, he pays well, so that it's not compensation. I think I'll make up a hypothetical leader because I think this person is gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that happens, right? I mean, there, there are people who are just beyond being coached. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It costs so much less to hire the right person in the long run. And, and it's worth investing, I would say, it's worth investing your time and money making sure you hire the right person and finding the right person for the particular job, for your culture, for your environment, who had the skills and knowledge that you needed to accomplish the, the, the work you needed to get completed. So that's, that's what I would say. And then, I, and of course, I, there's tools that can help them do that. A lot of people are going to say, I have to hire my gut, you know, I have to talk to them. And I agree, that's, that's, a, that's a big part of it. But you can have an additional tool for an example, assessment, and the beauty of the assessment is, is what I'd be telling this person is it's very objective. I mean, you, you get people who come in with the halo effect. They just seem perfect for their job. They're dressed right. They're really glib, and they, they can answer all the questions very smooth. And you can hire somebody who will stammer through a, an interview or a, a conversation, and, and they will be actually better at their skill and their, their work ethic would be better than the person with the halo. And so th- this is ways you can – another tool you can use to help identify that before you hire somebody because after you hire somebody – Fixing it's a lot more expensive, or keeping somebody on on who can't do the job in the long run is going to cost you a lot more money. So, absolutely, I would say invest before you hire, rather than the, the training and the the legal fees and everything else that come later if you have to deal with a disgruntled employee. It's like going on a first date. You know, everyone puts on the best possible thing that you know the first date, but when you get to know them, they may not be the best person. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well. With the assessment tool, you're talking about measuring their personality. How do we know that by giving the tool that their personality is going to match the personality, you know, the culture in which we're in? Well, the tool can also be used uh, with the individuals who are already working in the in, in the organization. Okay. And then you can set up benchmarks of the right kinds of people, the right kinds of skills 
and personality styles that are good at working together or good at a particular job. Accountants would have a different uh, profile, for example, than uh, than somebody who's going to be climbing, you know, 200-foot towers and hanging cell and antennas. Right. So you create a benchmark uh, of the common characteristics of, say, your accounting department. Mm-hmm. And then when you're interviewing people for the an accounting job, you run their personality against the benchmark of the personalities of your best people and see if they line up or don't line up. Exactly. And and so there's a different benchmark for guys that climb the tower to hang right. to hang <laughs> lines and there's guys that yeah. work in the sales department versus the the accounting department. Right. So you right. have multiple benchmarks. Multiple benchmarks for for all the different positions in a company. So when you interview you see do they line up, do they not line up? Right, and that saves you a lot of time as a matter of fact if if when they're screening the employees who are going to be interviewed uh, along with their applications and resumes, if they had all of the applicants take an assessment and you already had your benchmark, you might have to hire, I mean, interview half of them, which is going to save you money right off the bat because it's going to take a lot less of your time. It's going to save those people's time who would be coming in who aren't appropriate for the job. So, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's the ideal way to use it. I think especially in a university environment, people have a tendency to stay for a very long time. Yes. So your bad decision in hiring could be a really bad decision <laughs> over the decades or however long they stay there, right? That's very, very true. Yeah. I read a stat recently that said that 82% of the turnover cost is due to the bad hire. It's not due to after they're hired, all the other stuff that happens. It's 82% of it is, did you hire the right person the first time? Because 82% of the reason why you have turnover costs is because you hired the wrong person. Right. And that's another another big expense, as you just pointed out, is uh, you hire the wrong person, they're going to leave, and you have to go through the process again and all that. And also bringing somebody into a company that has a specific culture, if they don't fit in a certain area, is there a way to transition them to maybe an area where they might work better and then you don't have to rebuild from scratch and bring someone from the outside? You can keep that internal candidate and move them around maybe? Absolutely. You can pass their profile around to other directors or managers in the organization and uh, they might be a perfect fit you know, working in, in one of the other IT department or something like that. Their, their personality might be better suited for that kind of work than accounting. Mm-hmm. So you have a passion for helping leaders. Leaders succeed, helping fix broken leaders. <laughs> yeah, and, and my passion is, is actually, uh, it's for the leaders, but it's also for the people who work for them because, you know, good leaders are great for everybody who's around them, and that, then, then there's no worries. But then you have leaders who need help. And, and the reason they need help is that they can make themselves better, but by improving their leadership styles, they're going to make the environment, the people they work for, the company, the organization more successful. And so that's, that's where the, the uh, trickle-down effect. Mm-hmm. And so, so my focus has always been on, on the, the people who are, who are working for bad leaders. And I guess just in my career, I've, well, all, all the people who worked with me have been very lucky, of course, but, but <laughs> I mean, all, all the people around me uh, who I saw having problems, that, that was... And when you say you work with leaders, you know, how do you do it? Do you, do you go to their location? Do you work with them in a coaching environment? Do you have classes that you take them through? How, how would well, someone work with you? Typically, the way, the way that would happen is, is I would get a consulting engagement. Mm-hmm. And we would get in to fix a particular problem. For example, it might be some where we need to trans, translate all of this analog material to digital material. Okay, You get in there, and then the, you, you work in the procurement office because printing material has to do with their purchasing. And then after you solve that problem, you'll, you'll notice 
other problems because one of the one of the things we've always done is we always talk to the employees who are actually doing the work because that's where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. And so, well, why are you doing it this way? Well, my boss told me to. Well, do you think it's a good idea? Would you change? Well, yeah. And then we would go down that path. And so eventually, when we would discover what the what the concerns were, then we would start talking to the leaders about. We'd been talking to them previously, of course, but you know these concerns. You've mentioned to me and, and, and in talking to some of the people you work with, I think this might be something I want to look at. And, and sometimes it might be the leader's never there or he doesn't answer questions or he doesn't make decisions. And those kinds of questions will come up and we'll start addressing those. And, and the way I've done it in the past, I've, I've had on-site coaching, I mean on-site consulting. And then what I did is I would set up long-distance phone conversations weekly mm-hmm. and they would be coaching calls essentially. And then every three to six weeks or so I'd go back and have a little follow-up. Yeah, wonderful. So let's use this podcast like uh, WebMD. You know, people have, they're like, I'm not sure if I have a certain illness, so I'm going to get on and I'm going to look for my symptoms. So what are the symptoms of a bad leader? If someone's wondering, you know, I'm leading a company right now or a group, and I'm not sure, am I considered a bad leader? What would you say are the symptoms of it? What should they look out for? If you have a lot of disgruntled employees, you have people not coming to work, you have people calling in sick constantly, you have turnover, you have fistfights in the office, <laughs> and, and, and a lot of that, it's, you know, people say, well, it's those people fighting. Well, yeah. if you're a good leader, you know, you're not going to let it go that far. You're, you're going to understand because you'll be communicating with your people regularly if your employees aren't talking to you, mm-hmm. if, if you're not getting reasonable communications from them. That, that's a symptom. Okay, so we've identified the symptoms now, right? And maybe people need to take a hard look at themselves. And they might say, well, it is all my bad employees. They're just terrible employees. I'm an amazing leader. Okay, so you've identified now that you are a bad leader. <laughs> what, are, what are some of the, uh, the quick things that I can, you know, I can come into work on Monday morning. What are some things I should work on the first, the first thing I should do? The first thing you should do would be, I would say, clear your calendar. <laughs> and really, I would say... The first thing you should do is talk to your your boss and tell him you want to do some development work on ways you can improve. <laughs> or you could start talking to your employees. And in, in the successful organizations I've worked with, we'd have routine scheduled touch bases where at least at least twice a month an employee would have 30 minutes at their discretion to come in and talk to the uh, director or leader uh, about anything they, they wanted to, to lead, to, so, to discuss. So is leadership as much about a relationship with the employee as it is techniques or skills or because what i'm hearing you say is that you step one is decide you want to be a better leader right you got to acknowledge the fact step one okay i have a problem i need to fix the problem i want to fix the problem bad leaders anonymous yeah hello my name is randy <laughs> that's right i'm a bad leader I'm a bad leader right so <laughs> step one is identify the fact that uh-huh. you know what i could improve right. i'm not uh, perfect, and I want to get better at this. And so, then step two would be to talk to my boss or my employees both, and say, you know what, I, I'm deficient in some areas here. I, I've just come to, maybe I've always known it, just never said it out loud. But now that I am saying it out loud, I want to do better. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. What what am I doing? And don't attack me because I'll go into bad <laughs> leader mode again. But share with me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. And how I can improve, and then vice versa. I want to open up and ask you, you know, what do you need as an employee? What can I do to help you? What can? And so, to me, that's starting a relationship. It is. It's. It, it is starting a relationship. And, and as you were saying that, I was thinking another great tool would be to use the uh, assessment. 
because on the assessment you'll you'll learn a lot about your personality and there are some people who are very or cut out to be leaders i mean not cut out but their personality would be more adaptable to to that to that um responsibility and there's people who may not have the uh the personality to stand up in front of people and and tell them do this do that and do that and the other thing so you know once again fi- learning about yourself and then and you do that by communicating with others and there's other tools you can use to to discover that yeah i like the illustration you use this a lot chip where like if we all need to pick up a table together we're all going to station ourselves around the table and if somebody is not lifting their fair share the table's going to fall so the battle leader might be the one who thinks they're lifting their table high and thinks that the other people are dropping their end. But if they actually look at what they're doing, they might be the ones that are dropping it or creating this you know, division where the table is just going to get dropped because everyone's fighting with each other and mm-hmm. they can't agree on how high we need to raise the table to get it to move. You know, Exactly. Yeah. And there's training programs by uh, organizations like 360 Solutions and their partners who can come in and, and really facilitate and, and make things happen very effectively and quickly. Brandy and I have interviewed lots of people on this podcast uh, over the last two or three months, and, and one common denominator that's through every every interview we've had is that people don't follow people they don't trust, and trust is a really critical component. And trust is gained by communicating mm-hmm. and having conversations and, and investing in the other people and doing what you say you're going to do and have high levels of integrity and all of those characteristics. So it's, it is definitely a common denominator all the way through. And I think that assessment tools like you, you know, have alluded to two or three times now is a way to kind of assess where am I currently at? What, what is my personality? What are my skill levels? All right. You know, the people that I'm hiring, do they match what I'm looking for? Or do they not match what mm-hmm. we're looking for? The culture that we're trying to create here. So uh, all of the tools that we're talking about today are, are things that can be implemented to help companies make more money, create better cultures, develop better leaders, better teams, uh, all the way around. So, Absolutely. Well, Ray, thank you so much. Again, it's always great to have people come in and you know pick their brain a little bit, see where they're at, learn about their background. I, I didn't know you worked at Yale, so that's a really cool, <laughs> a really cool thing. Now I can tell College people. College boy. Yeah, that uh, I, I'm hanging out with with bright people, so Ooh, maybe yes. it's going to rub off on me. <laughs> and uh, and again, thanks again for coming in. We really appreciate it. Hope to have you back again soon. Thank you very much. Good talking to you guys. You bet. All right. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.